Hey everyone, how you guys doing today? It's good, it's good. Oh guys, so I'm just really like thinking, like I'm looking for someone, you know, to, I just need someone that's grasped right now, like the the epitome of getting through obstacles at all costs and with the desire of success. But you know, these days, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Oh, yes, I love her already. Goodness gracious. I tell you, Miss Chrissy Richards, she's amazing. Um, wow. You know, she's like the testimony to not letting circumstances be a roadblock to her success. And she is an amazing mother and grandmother. Ooh, girl, you look good for your age. We've got to have her on here. I have a feeling she's going to be the one. Hmm. Goodness, I feel like I know her. Like like I've met her already. All you've experienced is all you know. Then you are in a deficit of knowledge. And basically what that means is sometimes you have to explore things outside of your experience experience in order to become tolerant, empathetic, and compassionate in understanding other people's experiences. Hey, welcome back to the show. This is Brandy J, and you're listening to Voices of Courage 2020. Today I have with me an amazing, amazing guest, and her name is Chrissy. You want me to? Do you want me to say your your whole name, Chrissy? We could just leave it, Chrissy. Okay, I just wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Just know sometimes you know people nicknames or whatever, whatever works for you. Because I want you to feel welcome. Because that's what we do here. Courage. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody, this is the lovely Chrissy. She is. Um, an amazing podcaster. She has a show called Cypher Knowledge with Chrissy. And I would say also that nice show. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, yes, and Chrissy, I um, wanted to, before I got, got into anything, I wanted to let the listeners know um, that today, though Chrissy, she's a, a, a podcaster and everything. She also, and she's a nurse. She wonderful, wonderful um career I followed followed that too and but Chrissy has a very amazing story she had a child at a very young age and um but today we wanted to bring light to it in a way where we could show that even though that's what she was dealt you know that never ever would stopped her in getting to where she needed to be and like we were saying before, how nobody really takes that avenue or looks at, you know, when it comes to these type of things. So I think that's important. And so, uh, Chrissy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so happy to be here. Excited. Yay. <laughs> I love that energy. I love it. Absolutely. Chrissy, 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 Chrissy. <laughs> Can you so, 
since you know you are here and you can tell the listeners, could you let them um, know a little bit about yourself and who you are? Sure. Um, so I'm Chrissy. I am uh, 42, although everybody says I don't look 42. Um, <laughs> so I will <laughs> take that. I am a registered nurse. I actually work in the field of hospice. So that is my specialty. Um, and it's been a little bit crazy with this whole COVID thing going on. But nonetheless, I still get the job done. I am a mom of three. I My oldest is 27. It's a girl. When you do the math, you can see how young I was. Um, my second one is a boy. and He's 20. And lastly, my third child is a boy. And he will be 14 this month. Um, I'm a grandma. I have two grandbabies. Uh, one is two. The other one will be four in April. Um, and I am the host of Cypher Knowledge with Chrissy. Uh, I just started that podcast in September. And it was something that um, I didn't know I wanted to do until I did it. And it brings me a lot of joy. And I, I'll just really quick on why I decided to do the podcast. Um, when I was a little girl, I hung out with my grandfather. So he was an actor and a playwriter, but he was also Native American Indian. So he had a ton of stories. And I remember sitting with him as I was a little girl, just consuming all this information he had. And I had so much joy sharing those moments with him. And he passed when I was 18, unfortunately, uh, due to cancer. I found myself as I got older, um, having joy sharing the information and the knowledge I knew with other people. When someone would ask a question, I was like, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. Let me tell you why and how. <laughs> and mm. it kind of brought me back to that moment of being with my grandfather. So that's kind of the premise of the show. Well, the reason why I do the show and my show is uh, based on providing knowledge and information and experiences to people who otherwise may not have access to that information. And I don't pigeonhole myself to one subject. We discuss every topic under the sun. Um, and kind of that's me. That's who I am. We'll get into a little more depth as the show goes on. But that's just kind of me in a nutshell. Ooh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Okay. So I know that, um, you know, the topic is, you know, uh, I guess I guess I would I would think that it, it usually picks up with people, resonates with people when they find out that you're like you're 42 and that you're a grandma. Does that like <laughs> does that like pull people in? They like they're like, like, wait a minute. How? Well, first, so how I do it right is normally because, first of all, people don't think I'm 42 when they look at me. So when I, you know, when I go out to see my patients and stuff like that, they automatically, because I'm dealing with an older population, geriatric population. So when they see me, they automatically assume I'm in like my late 20s, early 30s. And then I turn around and I do this on purpose because I love to see their reaction. I go, well, my oldest is 27. Mm. And they go, what? Wait a minute. How old are you? And I'm like, well, and I'm a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I kind of they like fall in their seats and they're like hold on a second and I'm like well listen I had her really really young I was 14 when I got pregnant 15 when I had her but that didn't stop me uh with becoming who I am today so I love to throw them off in the beginning um but then once they kind of hear me get into my story it, they they understand it 
cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's a like if you ever needed a great conversation starter, <laughs> you know, just, there you go. <laughs> a way to break I, some ice. <laughs> I was at a one. I was at a party one time, and it's. I think they did a, a two truths and a lie. So I did. Um, I was a grandmother. That I was a nurse, and that I was fifty. And everybody was like, wait a minute, hold on. You don't look 50, but you're not a grandmother either. So like it threw them all off. They couldn't figure it out, figure it out. And I was like, and so finally when I had to tell, you know, what my two truths were, they they were like, wait a minute, what? And everybody wanted to know more. So definitely a great conversation starter. Yeah, that was nice how you set that up where you gave them like all three of them were kind of like, wait, can any of these be? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool so before before we get like right into it can can you kind of paint somewhat of what your childhood was like for us yes so you know I grew up in the Bronx New York um it's I don't know for me it wasn't as rough as everybody thinks when I tell them the Bronx and they're like New and York the <laughs> yeah and they're like oh my god it must have been so hard and I'm like eh. It wasn't easy, but it's not like it was those gangster movies you see on TV. Um, you know, when you're living there, it's completely, you know, everything's normal to you. Um, but both my parents were drug addicts uh, when I was a little girl. Uh, they were both addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, but I don't know. I still don't think I had it as hard as some other people had it. I still had food. They were functioning drug addicts, if that makes sense. There was yeah. still food on the table, clothes on our back, and we were still going to school. Now, granted, it wasn't the best clothes. You know, I don't know if anybody remembers Favors or the shoe store or balloon sneakers. So, you know, I definitely didn't have Nikes on. Um, but, you know, I had a grandfather who was very supportive and loving. Um, I had aunts, you know, an aunt and uncles. And um, my parents were still kind of present even though it's like they got high at night when we were asleep. Um, so like I said, it wasn't the easiest, but you know, when I hear other stories, I don't think I had it as bad. And maybe that's just me kind of, you know, minimizing it. But for me, I didn't feel that way. And it's your truth, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. But you know, I have, um, I'm the third child for my father. I am the second child for my mom. So there's six. I have five other siblings. It's four girls and two boys total. Um, and we kind of all did our own thing. We all went off. Some are successful. Some kind of fell in the cycle of uh, drug addiction. But, uh, for, you know, I always say abnormal is normal. So my family's abnormal. <laughs> 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 but you know some don't talk to the others and then you know but at the end of the day when we all need each other we're there yeah so I guess that's about right yeah <laughs> yeah I know exactly how that is yeah exactly <laughs> I, I can't stand them but be like when it's time to to, to get together or or somebody messing with you <laughs> oh yeah we're there we're there and then after we're done we're like I'm still not talking to you so, <laughs> right. <laughs> my brother, unfortunately, had a traumatic brain, in, brain injury in 2017, and he doesn't talk That's to me. Funny. He was beat in the head with a baseball bat, but he's 95 percent back to who he was. But I, I was there in the ICU with him and I wouldn't leave his side because, you know, being a nurse, I wanted to make sure they were all doing what they were supposed to do in the hospital. 
And uh, he finally woke up on the eighth day. And I was the first person he saw when he woke up. And he was like, oh, you're here? And I was like, all right, he's good. I'm out of here. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we come together when we need to. That's awesome. Hey, this dysfunction is a... Uh the norm I guess I right? think it is I think we're, th- there's a little dysfunction in everything and when you try to be perfect whatever that is because I feel like perfect is subjective um yeah I think it's creepy yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of almost like the separate wives right yeah yeah, yeah. I don't want to be in that scenario <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny okay so so you had, um, so, you know, you had a lot of family during all this and they seem, they sound pretty loving nah. as far, you know, this, but well, yeah, <laughs> when, it's, when it's time to be there for each other, yes. <laughs> but like with your grandfather and stuff, with your, when you growing up with your grandparents and stuff, they seemed like wherever your parents were, you know, fell off that they, they were there. Yeah. My, pick up the pieces. my grandfather was definitely my backbone. I think without him, I wouldn't be who I am today. Awesome. And you don't have to go like to the system or anything like that. So, so, and so that's amazing that your family was there to. Yes. Yes. Me and my mom, awesome. we've only just kind of reconnected. You know, there was, there was, there was a lot of tension there um, between the both of us. And it took us a long time. We finally kind of sat down and I was like, well, you may have not thought you were this and this and this to me, but I'm telling you right now, that's how I felt. Um, and you know, with her being an addict, when she quit, the only reason she quit was because uh, neighbors had told her if she didn't uh, stop doing what she was doing, they were going to call Child Protective Services and have us taken away. So she kind of went cold turkey and never went for any kind of rehab or therapy or anything like that. And I feel like with addiction, when you're recovering, um, that therapy is huge because you still keep the attitude and tendencies of an addict so yeah yeah, so she never did any of that and even though you know I mean they've been you know 30 something years clean god bless but um that that attitude was still there um and I feel like sometimes some addicts are like well I'm clean now so you can't judge me on anything I did when I was on drugs and I'm like oh no 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 we can we absolutely can because it affected me that was trauma I may not have been the one doing the drugs but I was still um, affected by that trauma yeah and if they were went to recovery and stuff they definitely would have been able to identify with that yeah you know because that's a big part of it absolutely yeah well I mean that's that's awesome that you did get to to sit down and tell how how it made you feel yeah because that's that's growth and that helps you to move on. Absolutely. So I'm happy you got to do that. Yeah. Okay. So so I was gonna ask, but I guess you just covered that there. Like how would like younger during when they were in this addiction, how was your relationship with your mom and dad? So my <laughs> you know, there was also domestic violence. My father was abusive physically to my mother. And Believe it or not, and I spoke about this before, believe it or not, I was more angry at my mom for allowing the abuse to continue than I was my father. And not that I thought my father was right in what he was doing, but the fact that my mother just took it and we saw that and I I saw her as weak 
you know, and that affected yeah. me. I think that's why I'm so strong. And um, sometimes it's a detriment to me because I won't get help or I won't ask for help because I'm like, no, nope, I'm not going to be my mother. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Um, so my dad, I was daddy's little girl, believe it or not. Um, whatever I wanted, dad gave me, even with his issues. Um, and then, like I said, my mom and I really just, we just didn't see eye to eye. There was always conflict between us uh, until probably the last 10 years. Okay. I like, that was very um, significant when you said uh, how you viewed your mom in when she during the domestic abuse, because, uh, you know, that's really huge when we allow those things to happen and then the, our children see it. But a lot of times you'll notice the child will, you know, find themselves in those same type yeah. of relationships because that's what they learned. And with you, you took it and you, you knew right away that that was. You know? Yeah, I had one man try to put his hands on me once. And I'm telling you, that was the first and last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I never got into drugs either. Like, I've never, I think the hardest thing I ever tried was marijuana. That's it. And I was like, I'm not wow. going. And I've had other drugs offered to me when I was younger. And I just would recall my parents. and was like, nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Not doing that. <laughs> That's good that that's how you took it instead of, you know, since that's what you were around. Mm -hmm. Instead, you saw, you know, for what it was. You're like, no way. Nope. I see what that does. No way. <laughs> and I think because there was so yeah, much so discourse between me and my mother, I was doing everything not to be her. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So I guess then I would ask when... um did the when did you become sex I guess sexually active like when did you start you know dating or or you know so I had my first sexual encounter when I was 12 okay yeah I was young but you know in my mind I was grown couldn't nobody tell me anything I helped you know I helped take care of my younger siblings you know I was more you know, I was more intelligent than most girls my age. I was grown. No one can tell me anything. Um, and I think the reason why I started uh, becoming sexually active at a young age was I was looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, I wanted to feel accepted and loved and needed and wanted. And those were things that I didn't feel from, you know, in my household. I didn't feel that from my parents. Um, and and then that's kind of what the effect was. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so important when it with a child because when they don't feel those things and even if you're present, you know, they'll seek it. Elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they definitely will. Yeah, that's a need. That's a, a human like desire, need. We all want it. Yeah. Even the most like hateful person, mm -hmm. as crazy as that seems, seeks love and acceptance too yeah and you know at the detriment of ourselves sometimes like we don't we want it so bad that we don't realize what we're giving up to get it and that's even right. a, a pervasive in adulthood right we stay in toxic relationships yeah. just because we want that love yeah mm -hmm. yep 
Yep. When it's about loving ourselves first and more than we. It's hard for people to know, love themselves. You know what yeah. worth. It's hard for people to love themselves. Yeah. First. Yeah, it is. Such a human thing that brings us. We all, you know, we all are. We have those things. All of yeah. us. So that's important. Okay. So I guess the next question would be. Was the person you were sexually active with your boyfriend, and was that the one that um you became pregnant by? No. So um, the first guy that I was intimate with or sexually active with was um, the guy I was dating in middle school. So he was my boyfriend um, at the time, although I found out he was everybody's boyfriend later on. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, it actually was the second guy that I was uh, intimate with. I was 14 and he was 18. So he was four years my senior. And, you know, I've talked to other people about this and they're like, well, do you know that, you know, he was an adult basically at that age and he took advantage of you. And I was like, no, nah, he never took advantage of me. I wanted it. And they're like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> That was sexual assault. And I'm like, no, no, I asked for it. I wanted it. And they were like, no, no. Um, so he, he was my boyfriend, but not really my boyfriend, if that makes sense. Like he had a girlfriend. So I was a side piece. I was I was a side piece. Um, and my when my mom found out, you know, she automatically wanted to take him to jail. She actually wanted to press charges and all of that. And I was like, listen. Like, we're not doing that. You know, that's not fair to him um, to put him in that situation when I knew exactly what I was getting into, regardless of my age. I knew what I was doing. You know, I knew right from wrong and still decided to do that. Um, so I'll tell you how I like how everything went down with my mom even finding out I was pregnant. Um, <laughs> that was, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> so, we kind of trended into that a little bit, slipped into there. Um. So my older sister, she's two years older. She knew I was pregnant. But I, I was like, you can't say anything. You can't say anything. Like, if you say anything, I swear I'm going to beat you. Right? <laughs> so she, she kept this. And my sister was, even though she was older, she was a, more timid than me. I kind of like all, fought all her fights and stuff like that. She was very quiet into herself. So when I said I, I'm going to hurt you, she, she kind of knew I would. Um, so she kept the secret and, um, I was actually still taking maxi pads to pretend like I was still having my period. So my mom wouldn't catch on. Um, I was uh, wise enough to know to do that. And, but I started getting that morning sickness. So like every morning I was vomiting and stuff like that. And I knew I was pregnant at this time and I'll never forget. I was laying on the couch. My mom sitting in the single chair and my sister's on the other couch, the one who knew. And I, I couldn't hold it. I just threw up all over the living room floor. And my mom's like, oh, no. you're effing pregnant, aren't you? And I was like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. She's like, you're effing pregnant. You're effing pregnant. Yes, you are. And I was like, lady, I have no clue what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> she looks over at my sister. My sister cannot, like she cannot hold it together at all so I'm looking at her like don't you dare 
So my mom looks over to my sister. She's like, and you knew, and you knew. And my sister's like, no, no. My mom got up and whooped her butt because she couldn't whoop me because I was pregnant. Oh, so man. my sister got the whooping and she looked at me, she was like, I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, well, she can't hit me. Um, and then my mom's like, you're having an abortion. And I told her, I was like, no, I'm not. She was like, yes, you are. You're only 14. You can't tell me what you're, you can do. You're still a child. And I was like, no, I'm not having an abortion. And she, I remember she called and made an appointment for me. And the night before we were supposed to go to the clinic, I ran away to my girlfriend's house. And I was like, I'm not going back home because I'm not having this abortion. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, whatever I got to go through, I'll go through, but I'm not having this abortion. And then I spoke to um, a healthcare worker and they informed me that it didn't matter that I was 14. My mom couldn't force me to do it. So um, I came back home. My grandfather lived in the same apartment building as me. So I came back home and I went to him first before I went upstairs to my apartment. And I told him, I said, listen. So my grandfather, like I said, was Native American Indian. We didn't call him grandpa. We called him Kazik. Um, if you called him grandpa, he disowned you from the family. So and in his native tongue, that <laughs> meant Indian chief. So I got there and I said, Kazik, I was like, um, I'm pregnant. And mom wants me to have an abortion and I don't want one like at all. And, you know, he was a little disappointed. He was disappointed. He was sad. He was hurt. But he was like, I get it. Like, I get that you don't want to have the abortion. And he's very religious. And he was like, I don't want you to have it either. Whatever we need to do together, we'll do together. So he told my mom, he said, if you don't want her in the apartment, she doesn't have to be there. She can move all her stuff down here. She'll stay with me. And she's not having the abortion. That's it. So that's kind of where things stood. And I stood with my grandfather for a couple of weeks until my mom came around to, you know, realizing this is happening. This is going to happen. Um, so I started seeking prenatal care at a very early term in my pregnancy, which was unusual for girls my age. I think I was about 12 weeks when I got, when I had my first uh, OB appointment and they were actually pretty surprised at the clinic as well. They were like, wait, you're how old and you're here at this early stage. Um, but my, like I said, my grandfather had provided me enough knowledge that I knew that the health of the unborn was as important as my health. And I needed to get to a doctor fast. Um, especially with me being so young, not knowing what would happen, because there can be complications when you're so young and your body's not mature enough to handle a pregnancy. Um, mm. As far as my dad, we waited a little while. Um, we went outside to a public place and told him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the safest method. But um, <laughs> he actually didn't get as crazy as I thought he would. He kind of just sat back and was like, well, it is what it is and we'll do what we got to do. And I was like, well, okay, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just continued on uh, with my pregnancy. I was fortunate enough to have a very healthy pregnancy. Um, and, you know, 
the midwives were surprised at how much knowledge I did have. At such a young age and how healthy I kept myself during the whole pregnancy. But it was, it was quite an experience. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. What was that that point um, when you realized, like, uh, being that that young, and then when it really when you got to settle in, what was happening that you were going to become a mother? What was that feeling like? Was it like overwhelming? Were you happy? Confused? I think all of that, right? I think it was a combination of all of that. I think I didn't know what to expect. Um, I was happy. Um. I thought to myself, I tried so hard not to be like my mother, but here I am, a teen, you know, pregnant teen. Uh, my mom had her first one at 16. Uh, I think the turning point for me was I was about eight months pregnant. And my uncle, I went to go visit my grandmother, my belly sticking out. I'm this young girl with a huge belly. And he looked at me and he said to me, you disgust me. He said, you're just another effing statistic and walked away from me. And at that moment, I said, no, I'm not. Watch me. And that was that pivotal moment for me that I knew that I had to do something different. While I'm in the same situation, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to allow this moment to define me. Um, and that's when I kind of put my motions in gear. I remember, um, you know, I wasn't going to school at this point cause I was, you know, pregnant and everything. And, um, I, I ended up giving birth to my daughter and right after I gave birth, I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, listen, I want to go back to school for my GED. Like I need to go back to school for my GED. And she was like, well, I don't have time to go. You got a kid. That's what you've got to worry about. Take care of your kid. Get a job. Da, 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 da. And uh, we'll get a better job because I was already working. I was working at a supermarket. That was my first job. And I, as soon as I gave birth, that's what I went to. I needed to get a job because I was not going to be on public assistance. There was no way I was going to be on public assistance. Um, so and then I did have this, you know, I didn't have to pay rent or anything like that. So it was a lot easier for me to work and not be on public assistance when I had the support of my family. Um, but she refused to take me to school to go sign up for my GED classes. So I said, I've got to go to the school and I got to talk to somebody there because there's no way she's going to stop me from, for, you know, from continuing my education. I need to get this. I may not have a high, I may not be getting a uh, high school diploma, but I'm going to get something because I'm going to college. Yeah. And uh, I remember walking into the guidance counselor's office and I said, listen, my mom's not coming with me. I don't know what I need to do, but I need to sign up for the GED classes. And I don't know if I need her to sign anything, but she's refusing. She's refusing to come in and do anything with me. And she was like, wait, you, you gave birth to your mom, right? I said, yeah. She goes, well, you're an emancipated minor now. Once you give birth in the state of New York, you become an emancipated minor and no longer need your mother's permission or parental uh, permission to do things like that. And I was like, really? She was like, you can sign yourself up. So that day is when I signed myself up. Um, 
and I did a couple of weeks in the GED course. And then I sat for my GED exam. And um, I was waiting for the, the results to come in. And I, I'll, I'll never forget the day that I got my results. Um, it came in the mail and it was a small envelope. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Like, did I pass? What did I do? Like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and my mom looks over at me and she goes, it's a small envelope. You failed. And I just looked at her like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we're doing? <laughs> okay. So I opened it and I passed. So I'm super excited. I'm like, I passed. I passed. I could go to college now. Like, you know, I mean, who's happy about a GED, right? But I was. I was ecstatic because that meant that I just jumped a hurdle that nobody thought I was going to be able to, right? So boom, exactly. I got you. That's one. Keep watching me, right? <laughs> Keep watching because I'm going to show each and every one of you. So um, my grandfather was excited. I told him he was excited. And um, I, I worked for about a year before I decided to enroll in college because I needed to save up money and figure out how to do this financial aid. You know, I didn't have my mom there guiding me along. She didn't have much of an education herself, nor did my dad. My dad, I think, left school in the fourth grade he could barely read and write. Um, and my mom, you know, dropped out, I think it was 11th grade, but then never went back and to do anything and never went back to get her GED. So I think also her watching me succeed in that area was just a reminder of what she didn't do. You know, and it, it affected her and bothered her that way. So so that's why she was yeah, so negative. So negative on, on what I had did. So I did start college at 17 and I actually started uh, classes for nursing. Um, but I didn't become a nurse there. I'm going to stop there in case you had any other questions before I go on with the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I forgot yeah. this was my show for a minute. I thought I was listening. <laughs> I'm like, interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So yes, I did want to track back and say so or ask, do you think that if if your um uncle didn't make that that statement that you think that was at that moment would would you had that same desire or you think him saying that was kind of like a was it blessing? So I think a little bit of both, right? I think because of my determination and my tenacity that I eventually still would have ended up down the same path I did but I feel like it gave me way more motivation. You know, it, it propelled yeah. me like, oh yeah, like this is, this is what we think of me. Okay. And it only amplified what I knew everybody else thought of me. Uh, and as much as we say, we don't care what people think about us. That's the biggest lie we tell ourselves. The biggest lie we tell ourselves. Yeah. We do care what other people think about us. We may not let it affect us, but true. we definitely do. Yeah. Um, you know, I did go back to my uncle a couple of years ago and reminded him of that. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm the worst uncle in the world. I don't know why I said that to you. I'm so sorry. You probably hate me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I love you because of it. Like, you were the only one who kept it real and raw with me. You know? That's awesome. Aw. 
Did he didn't cry, did he? You said no. that, that would make me cry. <laughs> no, he's you know, he kept that machismo <laughs> attitude. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh goodness. But okay, so let's see where we're at. So we're so I started college. Mm-hmm. In college. Okay. Yes, we're in college. Okay, so was there any what kind of like bump were there any bumps in the road that you had to face during you know, because now you're like you're you're we're pregnant still, right? No, we're we've had yeah, the child at, at this point, right? At this point, my daughter's two when I started college. Okay. Okay. So what was that like? Were there any like, you know, being so young and then, you know, trying to... Oh, you know, yeah. So, oh, you know, uh, because I guess we have to cover, I think we forgot, okay. or if you want to, just to kind of fill the, the listeners in, like, was the, um, the dad any kind of like of support or anything in this in in here not really like so he was one of those that if he wanted sex from me he came around you know so he would come with a case of pampers or some milk hang out for a little bit and then try getting some and then if i said no he would disappear for a couple of months and then come back and try again. So he was in and out. Definitely no steady stream of income. It was solely me uh, working my butt off. Um, okay. As far as watching her or being there for her. No, he, it, it was, I'll come okay. drop a pair of Jordans off and then leave kind of thing. So he, no, he wasn't there. Okay. It wasn't until she was seven and then we can get kind of there. It wasn't until she was seven that he did become a permanent fixture in her life. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy that. That's... <laughs> yeah, he definitely <laughs> did. And that okay. was because of the woman he was with. Her and I, they, they since a split, but her and I still remain friends. And that woman will always have my respect because of who she was to my daughter. Like, we're really, yeah, we're really good friends. Awesome. Like, she stepped up to the plate and was like, no. You have a daughter and you need to take care of her because actually my daughter's brother is two months older than her. He had two of us pregnant at the same time. Oh yeah. Oh dear. Yes. And he was a drug dealer. So he was one of the street guys, you know, and all of that. So I was caught up in the hype of all that, you know, the money, the immediate money he had and all that other stuff. But um, yeah, he had two of us pregnant at the same time. And then he had another little girl a couple of years later on uh, down the line with the same woman. But then he ended up with this other woman <laughs> and had another kid with her. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, you're going to take care of all your kids. And she stepped up to that plate and she would set up the times like, I'm going to come get your daughter. I'm going to come get her. And we're going to keep her for the weekend. And we're going to have all the kids together. And, you know, any woman that recognizes that a man needs to be around his child gets complete respect from me. I don't understand some of these women who are yeah. like, oh, no, you don't need, that's your kid from your other baby's mother. Like, they don't need to, no, that's so, they're blood related. They need a connection. Yeah. Exactly. It's about, it's yeah. about the children. Yep. Yeah. Most so, definitely. no, I did it. I did it on my own. Um, I, my mom didn't make it easy when I did enroll in college and start going, she was like, well, you need to pay me childcare. 
you're working and going to school, you need to pay me child care. Um, which, you know what? I appreciate that. I do appreciate that because it, it taught me something, right? It taught me that in life, you've got to do what you got to do regardless of the situation and you need to figure it out. So, yep. so yep. yep. Just because it's yep. your mom, you're like, so what? Like, you need to figure it you out. You want to have this baby? <laughs> you're going to be a mother all the way, 100%. Um, so anytime she babysat, I had to pay her. And um, I got lucky. Uh, the college that I was going to was a community college. They had a lottery for, they had free childcare on the ground. And it was awesome. a lottery. And I actually won the lottery. So once you're in, they stay in like you continue for every semester. It's not like you've got to reapply for the lottery. So that first, yep, that first That's semester, awesome. I got the lottery. You know, my mom was like, <sighs> you know, like in her mind, she's like, oh, she's so lucky, you know? <laughs> um, She's not happy. Yep. No, she's going to be happy. Not like, oh, my daughter's going to be, you know? No, it was that negative because everything I did represented everything she didn't do. So, like I said, it was just a constant reminder to her of what she could have done and decided not to. Instead, she decided to push four of us out one after the other, you know? And I mean, I hate to talk about my mom like that, but, you know, reliving those moments, that's, that's how I felt. And, um, so I started nursing school. I was working full time. I was going to school full time. I mean, I worked in a bar overnight and my mom did watch her and I had to pay her for the overnight. But then like my first class was at 8 a.m. And the train ride was um, about an hour and a half train ride because I was going to school in the city. But I did it. I hustled, man. I hustled. I worked, came home, took about a two-hour nap, got up, showered, got her ready. We got on that train. We got to the school. I did it. I was like, you know what? This is. I don't know where the determination came from, but I did it. <laughs> I didn't think about doing it. I just right. did it. And I'll just do it. Yep. Yep. Just like, do, like yep. you said, just do it. And I'll, I'll <laughs> this, this moment sticks with me in my mind. I remember walking into the college building with my daughter. So, you know, she was probably two and a half, three at this time because we have been going for some time now. And um, I remember I had my book bag on one shoulder and I fixed it. Like I fixed my book bag because it was falling off. And I looked down at my daughter. Oh, I'm going to get so emotional. <laughs> I look at, I looked down at my daughter and she mimicked exactly what I did <laughs> and I was like oh <laughs> you know like she's witnessing mom um do something like make something of herself right like I wasn't I was I was out of that cycle at that point like for me I was like you know what not too many girls even get this far being a teen mom and to know that she's mimicking I mean it was just a little book bag but like it meant so much to me, you know, like she's, she yeah. wants to be me. So I know that I have to show her. I know I have to show her. And I think that was another moment for me, like that stupid little thing. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, with that little, 
<laughs> kind of yeah. like solid. I could see her, you know. Yeah, could, just looking totally up at me, imitating. Yeah. Me. Oh, this is so great. Like, this is yeah. so good. Um, but I, so the, yeah. the waiting list for nursing school in New York was ridiculously long. Like, it was so long. And um, my girlfriend worked for a temp agency. So I remember her calling me up and saying, listen, I got a job for you. She was, so at this point, I'm 17 going on 18. And she's like, I got a job, about 18. She was like, I got a job for you. Um, but it's during the day. You may have to change your hours, you know, for school and stuff like that. Like, can you do it? And I was like, well, what is it paying? She was like, it's paying 45K a year. So, you know, me being 18, this was 90 something. I don't freaking remember. I want to say 97, 98. That was a good salary. That was a really good yeah, salary. Definitely. And I ended up leaving school and working. So I didn't complete college at that point. Uh, then I went on to another job a couple, like two, three years later, and I was making even more money. While I was at that second job, this is before 9-11 happened in this city, I remember saying to myself, Chris, you got to do something with your life. You can't just keep going from job to job. Like, this is not where it's at. You need a career. You want it to be a nurse. You need to go back to something. So at that point, I was like, you know what? What's the quickest thing I can do, but still in the medical profession? So I decided I was going to go get my EMT license. I was going to be an EMT in New York City. Um, and I did it. And it's funny because right when I enrolled, 9-11 happened. And then I got laid off um, because I was a human resource administrator in a, in a temp firm. And they kind of went robotic with everything and went digital and really didn't need me because there was uh, other people that had seniority in the company. Um, so I was like, well, I guess this was a sign <laughs> that I needed to go to school. Uh, the course was only a couple of months. It wasn't that long. And in the midst of going to school and getting my EMT license, the professor at the college had recognized that I have some talent. <laughs> he was like, I think you, you can, you know, instruct people really well. I think the way you describe and explain things can help some of the other students. I've got about three students who are failing. Do you think you could do a tutor session with them? Do you think you could pull them in, grab them and start doing some sessions with them? And I was like, really? You think I'm that? And he's like, I do. I think you got it. I think you could do this. So I started tutoring them. We go to take the state exam. Do you know all three of those students I tutored passed with a higher grade than me? I was like, oh, hell no. That's not how that goes. <laughs> I was like, well, the student passes the teacher. Hey, <laughs> exactly. You tutored them. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit. He was like, hey, um, you know, you did so well with the students. I think you should sign up for my other course where you become a CPR and basic life instructor. Like, I think you would do really well with that. And I was like, you think? Again, I'm questioning him. He's like, come on, Chris. So I was like, all right. So I did that. Um, and I became a CPR instructor, BLS instructor. This story that I'm about to tell, I don't know how much more time we have, but this story I'm about to tell 
my friend always reminds me of it. And he's like, you're freaking amazing. And you don't even realize it. Um, once I became a CPR instructor, you know, it wasn't steady work, but you got paid $30 an hour to teach a class and a class could be six hours. Now you weren't wow. doing that every day, but yeah. if you got a few in the month, that was some extra cash in your pocket, you know, as well as being the EMT. So yeah. in 2005, New York state passed a law that all schools were required to have a defibrillator in their school building. I knew that if you had a defibrillator, an AED in your school building, that means you have to be trained in CPR and basic life. So what am I? I'm a BLS instructor. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a proposal. I'm going to create a letterhead. I'm like 21 at the time, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to create a letterhead. I'm going to put this business proposal together. I'm pretty tight with some of the principals in the schools in the surrounding area. I'm going to do all of this, da, 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 da. Then when I saw the gravity of how much like it really was the work, I was like, oh yeah, I can't do this. There was over 2000 schools in New York City. Like it wasn't just a couple of schools I needed like that I knew it was the entire New York State. So what I did was I started researching who won the bid. And then I contacted that company and I sold myself. I marketed myself to them. I said, hey, listen, I'm a CPR BLS instructor. Um, you're going to want me. I'm going to be an asset to your company. You need to interview me. Like, that's pretty much how I said it and did it. And the next day they had me go out and meet up with one of the other instructors. The instructor started teaching the class. And in the middle of the class, I took over. I was like, I got this. Sit down. Right. <laughs> and I proceeded to mm -hmm. teach the rest of the class. And he looked at me and he was like, well, um, I just need you to fill out your I-9 and your W-4. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm hired. He's like, you're hired. Um, I went within six months, I moved up from an instructor to a regional manager. And within six months from that, I went from regional manager to, uh, uh, well, it was, uh, sorry, it wasn't a regional manager. It was six months I went to a manager of like the program. And then six months from that, I went from a regional manager uh, and I covered the entire East Coast of Mississippi, Canada, Mexico, and some of the UK. At 22 years old, I was making 95K a year. On a GED wow. and an EMT license. Complete hard work, dedication, hustle, you know, knowing my worth, knowing that I'm valuable and what I had in my brain was worth so much. And I wasn't going to settle for anything less. And um, I did it. I was like, no, nope, right. I'm doing it. Now I'm going to stop here. And if you have any questions, because <laughs> I could keep going. Like, we could just, <laughs> you might go up and I could just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's awesome because uh, you carried, you know, that, that whole attitude throughout, you know, because that's not a lot of people. That's why I'm happy we're having this, you know, this, this talk because that's, a lot of not a lot of people's um story when it comes to being becoming pregnant at that age you know that you had that burning desire and it was kind of like uh rocky you know when he's getting ready for it, he's like dun, 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 you know you got mm -hmm. the music you're like uh uh <laughs> to knock them all out you know about to get through this so that's very important um so as as you're you know finding your way and you're you you know you're becoming financially de uh, de uh, independent and everything 
how was it um as still as as a mother like um how was that girl coming coming along so it was like it, it was it was hard um because i did find myself so consumed on being a better mother financially that i didn't recognize i was failing in some other areas right cuz it's kind of like what's taking all your attention um i was i was a very strict mom i was you know i i raised her by the rod it you know what is it spare the rod spoil the child so i never spared i never spared the rod gotcha. yeah. um i always hammered down on her hard and because I was so afraid of her repeating my cycle that I was very strict. Like, you can't go here. You can't do that. No, you can't go to her house. You know why you can't go to her house? Because I see how what her mother lets her do. And if her mother lets her do that, what's she going to let you do? Because you're not her kid. Like... <laughs> You know, and that brought some kind of friction and tension between us. I didn't, I was so focused on her not repeating the cycle and focused on making sure that I financially had her, you know, the structure and security that I lacked on some of the compassion and love. And to fast forward a little bit, when she became a teenager and I got us in some counseling because I recognized that later on we, we needed counseling. Uh, there was some broken thing and, and we needed to fix it. And she said to, I wasn't very affectionate. I wasn't very loving. I wasn't, my mom wasn't very huggy kissy to me. So I wasn't very huggy kissy to her. Um, and I remember the therapist asking her, well, if your mom doesn't hug you and kiss you and tell you she loves you, how do you know she loves you? Right? And so I just sat back. So I was like, I need to hear this. And she was like, I don't know. I just know my mom loves me. <laughs> you know? And that hit home for me. Because I was like, wow. Like, I didn't recognize it to that moment that I wasn't a very affectionate parent. I was more do this, do this kind of drill sergeant, militant. We need to get this done. That has to happen. This and this and that. And then the therapist asked her, well, what if your mom started hugging you and kissing you now? She must have been 16. What if your mom started hugging you and kissing you now? She's like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that now. <laughs> we can't start now. Like, I'm good with just knowing she loves me. I don't want to have this. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so there was, there was a deficit there. I did, you know, it wasn't perfect, um, but I can go into where she is now and where I am now as far as our relationship. Um, she's 27. She's a wife, a mom. She has, you know, the two kids, homeowner. Uh, she owns her two vehicles. She has three college degrees, graduated summa cum laude with all three to her degrees. Um, she takes credit for all of it, but I think a little bit comes to me too, you know? Um, <laughs> She, yeah, she, yeah. right yeah. now, we're like best friends. I think I talk to her probably every day. Awesome. Uh, as a grandmother, uh-huh. I love my grandkids differently than I did my kids. And I think what happens for us as parents 
and then anybody who's listening that are now grandparents, when we're a parent, we don't know what we're doing, right? It's not like you push this kid out and all of a sudden a manual comes right after it, like the placenta is attached to a manual. Like it, it, just, it, it just doesn't right. happen that exactly. way. It's a, it's a live and learn life lessons <laughs> kind of thing, right? And yeah, it's yeah. like just Everything it's like about you know, it. it's so funny because you'll go and you'll buy a TV and they give you instructions on how to use it. It's like they give you a kid and it's like just don't kill it, like whatever. Here you go, just don't kill it. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> they like put it, yeah. in, put it in this when you get in and the car, and then yeah, and take um, it from there. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, like looking at the baby, like, okay, um, I guess yeah. I should. What are we doing? Change now? you, touch you. Uh, are you okay? Are you good? Um, but, yeah, but I, like do think, I do think something's coming instinctively. Like we joke, but there are some instinctive things that that happen when you become a mother. I think there's just that connection between child and and mom. Yeah, for sure. And um, she she laughed at yeah. me because she's like, "You're so different with my kids than you were with me," and I was like, "But I didn't know how to be a mom." But now that I've gone through all these years of being a mom, I know how to be a grandma. And I get to do it without having to leave the house with kids. They stay with you. So <laughs> I come, I visit, I spoil, <laughs> but I do find myself giving her advice. Like, maybe you don't want to be so hard on them. Like, okay, like, you know, don't, don't, don't punish her for that. Maybe have a conversation about it. And she's like, what? Like, I would have got whooped. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you like, really? <laughs> but you learn, right? It's experience. You learn. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're like, ooh, I was a little harsh. Like, like, yeah, I kind of maybe shouldn't have thrown that bottle at her head. But <laughs> when she didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, you live, absolutely. You live, you learn. <laughs> but uh, oh, real, yeah, real quick, getting back to how you even became well. I, I, um, so I didn't, yes, yes. I was working and same story as what happened when I decided to become an EMT. My son, when he was seven, ended up becoming a type one diabetic. Um, and I recognized his symptoms because oh. he, uh, because I was, because I was already trained as an EMT. Um, and at that point I was like, you know what, I need to go back and finish my nursing. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just, you know, I could lose this job at any point in time. Like I did the last job. I need to put myself in back in school. In September of 2008, I re-enrolled in school to become an RN. I got laid off in January 2009. So the same exact thing that happened with me deciding to become an EMT, same thing when I decided to go back for my RN. And I was like, Lord, listen, I don't know. Like, I guess you got this all set up because, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't know where I, the thought came, I don't know if it was my son getting diagnosed and that's what transitioned me to that. But at that point is when I decided to go get my RN license. And the great thing was I graduated from college a year before my daughter graduated from high school. So for me, that yeah. was a moment because she didn't finish high school yet. And I was able to get my college degree. I don't know if that makes sense to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. 
but it makes sense to yeah. me. Yeah, like before she completed <laughs> complete high school, that. I needed to get yeah. this done. And I did <laughs> it. And, you know, she follows right in my footsteps. She, I tell her, whew, I tell her all the time, I am the woman that I am because of her. That she gave me all the motivation I needed to be who I was. And if I had to do it again, I wouldn't change a thing. Not a thing. That's right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, you know, that mother thing. I didn't find what she went. <laughs> yeah. You, you make yeah. me just want to go in there right mm-hmm. now and just hug my son just because, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So she's, yeah. So, and we're, we're great friends. We oh, talk wow. almost every day. She calls me for advice. You know, um, her husband's actually a little jealous of our relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, get over it. I was in the delivery <laughs> room for my first granddaughter. And she was like, mommy, where are you? Where are you? And I'm like, I'm right here, baby. I'm right here. And she was like, oh, Jesus, get this baby out of me. <laughs> so after her husband, I said, I just want you to remember two things. And he's like, what's that? I said, she said, mommy and Jesus. She ain't called for you. <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly like, know your place know your place <laughs> so you know oh, I tell That's this story so <laughs> to hopefully inspire and give hope that any young women who are out there and think that it's impossible because it's not impossible and there are a few key things that you need in order to become successful despite your circumstances. You make your circumstances, you don't let them make you. And one of them is having a support system. I don't care who you find as your support system, you need to surround yourself around people who encourage you, acknowledge you, and have faith in your ability. So make sure you set yourself up with a good support system. The other key is access to your community services, right? While I didn't receive public assistance, that doesn't mean somebody shouldn't. If you need it, you need it, but don't make it your life support. Use it for what you need it for and then get off of it. Let it be your starting point to propel you to be a better you, right? But not, and then lastly, don't give up. Don't give up. Nothing that is worth having comes easy. So just have that tenacity and the strength to keep going. And that's why you need your support system. Because when you feel like you can't go anymore, they're going to be right there to tell you you can. So those are just some key pieces of advice I think young women should take um, when when they, you know, are in a situation where they think, it's impossible. It's not. It could be done. I'm proof of that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's very important to, to, you know, tell that story in the way you did versus mm-hmm. saying, you know, like something that happened, you know, how it can go either way and people focusing on the negative. And I like how your dad put it. Mm-hmm. He said, well, this is where we're at. We got to, you know, the next step just is reality this was we have had to live in, yep. in the, the moment you know you can't you know 
just got to roll with it. And then, you know, and for you, you took it and none of that stuff was an obstacle for you. Like none, it was nothing. Like if anybody else obstacles, you know what I mean? And yours was one that was like, you know, for, for your age that could have went any, any way. And that's why I know God, you know, he just, I tell people, I'm like, he, he will help you. You pray, he will answer your prayers when he sees, mm-hmm. especially effort. when you are mm-hmm. putting, you know, yep. forth that, that effort. Oh you know yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. And don't think biggest, there were days that I sat in the bathroom <laughs> and just cried my eyes out. Don't think that I, there wasn't days that I, that I was like, this is not going to work. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what am I doing? No, definitely didn't give up. And it's okay. It's normal to have those moments of doubt. It's a feeling. It's a moment. Don't stay in it. You have to pick yourself up and get out of it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's like, don't try to like avoid yep. it. Yep. Feel it. Allow yourself and then, then get it yep. going. They're like, yeah. You said something important, really, too, that stuck out was the support system. And, you know, because I know, like, for me and then other other people, especially, Mm -hmm. like, now the social distancing thing, the people don't really realize or, like, to admit people have a problem with being vulnerable or, like, I don't need anybody. I need this. It's kind of like, as human beings in this world, we need somebody. We need each other. You know, and that's important, what you said, for that support system. Because when you feel like that and you don't have anybody to pick, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm weak, I'll be your strengths, where I'm strong, you know what I mean? Like for each other, what it's like, what you just sit with self, and there's, you know what I mean? And hopefully, you know, like for me, I, I'm used to pulling myself out of, you know what I mean, low places when I feel that way. It's just something I, I'm used to, but I know for sure that having that support system makes it even more, Absolutely. you know, just something that, uh, because you feel like people care, that whole thing too, you know, like I got to do this. People believe in me. They care enough yeah. about me to, you know, keep going and I'm going to do this. So I think that's important that people need to realize Absolutely. too. Like we need to be there for each other. I know? had told myself if I ever won the lotto, that. right? Like in my mind, this is what I was going to do. I was going to build a non-for-profit organization, going to get a couple of buildings built. Like this, like this is my dream of what I could do. And it was going to be, placement for teen moms right but there was there's a whole kind of like mission behind it it's not just a place for you and your kids to come right and also the other part of that too is a lot of these housing that does uh that do take in teen moms don't allow the dads to come that would not be me if the dad is an active involvement and Mm -hmm. they're together as a whole unit unit the dad can come as well but it was going to kind of be a pay forward thing right everybody that was there was going to support each other so you have your own apartment and you know your own place and in this building and um you know one mom the moms have to help each other so if one's going to school during the day and the other one's working at night they're going to swap and watch each other's kids and you know tutoring is going to be a month like it was going to be like a communal support everybody if in order for you to be there you have to support each other in this and that's another place where I think we fail as women sometimes if we don't uplift each other mm-hmm. we we want to be support. better than the other one instead of support yep. but we all need support and that's where everything and then after you've gone to school got your degree whatever it is you became a lawyer you know 
you now have to mentor the other women coming in, the other girls coming in. You have to volunteer your, your time to come in and mentor these young girls because you've been through it. And there's no better person to listen to than someone who's gone through it. You know, if you, if you didn't experience it, you don't know yep, what I'm going through. Totally. But if you've experienced, you know exactly. So that's my yep. little thing in my head. And if I ever won the lotto, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. This is a, as you were saying this, and uh-huh. I was going to bring it up earlier, check this out. What you just said right now, that's how I knew you were going to say that when you said you had this, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was going to business, school for business, mm-hmm. um, we had the, I think it was the marketing class. And um, we had to come up with our own business down to like everything wow. about the business, uh-huh. down to the toilet paper. You know what I mean? The, the structure of the building, the rooms, what it was for, just everything about the program. So we chose what you just spoke of right now. It was completely for young girls, but they were like on this, you know, that got put out of the home. They were pregnant on the streets, whatever. And uh, we designed the building, ah. the program, and we called it Suki's Angels <laughs> because our teacher, was, her name was Miss Suki. And um, so that's what we named it. But we had like even down to yeah. the the flyers, you know, how you put them in the like the laundromats and stuff. So they can rip off the numbers and, and just everything. And yeah, we had set it up to where they can come and stay. Uh, do Basically, everything you just said, like the schooling and all that stuff to, to actually give them a place mm-hmm. to succeed, be successful. You put your foot, your best foot forward. And you can get a career, you know, if you just Who keep knows? going. And so maybe we were it's clearly what you yep, just said. That was we everything that we had like put together. Who knows? <laughs> the future the future is uh something I can't yeah, predict. Yeah, you never yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Cause like I said, I've never I I haven't been through that before, but that was what we just like there's three of us, three girls, and that's what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I've always wanted to do that with homeless, and I've never been homeless. But I've always wanted to create exactly mm-hmm. what we, we spoke of right now with, for pregnant um, yeah. young girls with homeless people and like giving them because no, they're not always just on the street just because they want to be on the street. You know what I mean? It's because nobody's right. really giving them the opportunities to, mm-hmm. to level up. And I've always wanted to do that. Know. You know, so yeah, you never know, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's about I, helping one a, another. You know, it's about growth. I'm healthy. a big we proponent. got to all be able to make it. Uplifting one another. Like you won't you won't ever see me knock someone down ever like (laughs) see that's why Steve he knew what he was doing I'm telling you (laughs) oh there's so much hate in the world that you know a little bit of love goes a long way it really really does it is absolutely right and it's free I'm telling you it's freaking free yeah I'm I'm a big 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 like let me help you like uh, if in my community where I'm at now um you know my son's in his 20s and he's always dating these young moms. And I'm like, oh, right? <laughs> but I don't know if it's because they're meant <laughs> to come to me <laughs> so I can guide them. Yeah, so I can guide them because I'm usually like, yeah, yeah you never know, right? With my kid because he's not ready. Okay, <laughs> that's number one. So you need to stop dating my son. That's number one. That's the first thing you're doing wrong. <laughs> and then I go into well what are you doing with yourself what do you want to do with yourself all right well let's sit down and make a plan like I will take him out to lunch like hey what are you doing call him out of nowhere my son's like what are you calling my girlfriend for I'm like ah shut up like, <laughs> yeah yeah like what she's are you our doing? girlfriend now she's both of our girlfriend. and I sit there and do it well did you know you could get this did you know you could get that have you looked into this like let's let's call them right now together 
<laughs> let's do this right now. Like, I don't give them a way out. Like, we're going to do this together. And that's just the support, right? And when you have support from someone who knows what they're doing, yeah, it makes it all, yeah, it makes it all the easier. So, for sure. I, Oh yeah. You thought it was scary then. He's like, I mm-hmm. appreciate you later. <laughs> She's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's and then they end up loving me. You're dating all they of break us up now. with him. Because they do. <laughs> I'm like, you will, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> they still stay in touch with me. And they still call me mom. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I'm not gonna go there with them. They were like, Oh my, I did this and I did that, and I'm back in school. And you know, and I love to hear that. And I wanna be there to support them and encourage them. So that's fine. I guess I guess he's uh, the funnel. To me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. I love I love your um, you. your story. I love your drive. I love everything about how you you know you conquered and, and you showed for a fact living proof that circumstances, anything, you can all you have to do, I tell people is have a positive attitude and you yep. want it. You can have no. Nope. The only person that stopped you is you. Can stop you. That's it. <laughs> because, and you know what? It may take you, you yep. ten times to yep. figure out how to get there, but that doesn't mean after the first time it didn't work that you yeah. don't keep going. You got to keep going. Like, I mean, that's what everything. I I make t-shirts for fun for my grandkids and, <laughs> and my kids, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I do the vinyl. With the infusible ink, is it gonna? Da, da, da? And I'll sit there, like, nope, that didn't work. All right, let's try again. Like, you don't just stop because it didn't work the first time. Like, I have a, a thought in my head. I have an image on what this is gonna look like, what my end product is gonna look like. And it may take me all these tries to get there, but I'm gonna get to that end, that end project. Yep, I'm gonna get there. It's you gonna happen. There. And as long as yep. you keep that mindset that it's going to happen. And I, you know, I remember when I used to hear it all the time and I was like, oh, please give me a break. You know, like if you think negative, you're going to get negative if you think positive. (laughs) But it's so true. (laughs) It's true because that's what I say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a positivity (laughs) when no one else will. It's okay. There'll be doubters. There'll be naysayers. And it's okay. Because yep. when I look back at everybody that had nothing but negative to say about me being a mom so young, and I'm like, hmm, where are you now? Oh, you still live in an apartment. Oh, well, I own a home on half an acre. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, where are you now? Where? Oh, you have five kids and you can't make it, but you did that when you were 30, but I wasn't going to be anything because I was 14 when I did it. Okay, got it. <laughs> you know like you know so you just look back and, I mean I'm so humble yeah. when I do I don't say that to them I say it to myself like like oh okay like yeah like mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah, just judge yeah, you yeah I totally in, get it in <laughs> like, like you yes it's like, <laughs> those usually be the ones that that yep. are like that though you they judge end me up in public in this, you know because they mm-hmm. were you know yep, you judge me in public I'll judge you in private it's <laughs> <laughs> okay yep. <laughs> that's awesome i'm so happy that like we got to do this and i'm so excited about you know sharing this and um your story and thank you so much um to the listeners uh i really hope that you guys share this uh 
you know, share with whom, whomever, if you know anybody, you know, that is going through this, um, or know somebody that knows somebody, definitely share the story with them because mm-hmm. if you want to hear hope, <laughs> faith, and all that, then this is definitely going to give it to you. <laughs> it's a real live woman here. It's real. Yes. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> no, those fairy tale stories like, where is she? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, I know, that, like you said, there's so much more that we could like just yeah. keep going and going, but you know, we, I get, we can't. Somewhere, <laughs> we have, down the we have lives. <laughs> but... Well, well, that'd be awesome. It'd be so, so cool if you and your daughter scene, came on together. Just, I'm going like, to plug it because awesome. you gave me the opportunity. I wasn't going to bring it up. But on January 3rd, at uh, <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on YouTube. If you go to Christy.cipher on Facebook or Christy.cipher on Instagram or go to www.cipherknowledge.com, you'll find the links to the show. I am actually doing an episode called Three Generations. And my mom is coming on, I'm going to be awesome. on, and my daughter's coming on. Uh, they both agreed to come on, and we're just going to talk about parenting, you know, with the different generations, how it's the same, how it's different. What did my daughter learn from me? What did I learn from my mom? What did we then teach our kids? So it's just going to kind of be like a, a, a round table and we're just going to kind of go, it, it may get a, you know, little touchy at times, but <laughs> it's going to be a real live conversation. Um, and since we all have daughters, my mom had me, I had my daughter, my daughter has two daughters. So it should be interesting and fun. That's January 3rd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on YouTube. Excellent. Thank you. Awesome. I got it plugged here. Am I the, the plug? Yeah, the no, first, yeah uh, nobody knows about that. Nobody knows that's coming. Yeah, that. you are. It's right here. You got it. <laughs> You're the first one. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that because I definitely want to watch and we'll definitely appreciate it on my side help um to promote that so it should people, be fun. you know mm-hmm. yeah for sure well thank you yes I had fun too here today with you I loved um everything about your great storyteller too because I felt like I was there like well, at every you. moment with you as yeah. like, you thank were you going for allowing it, me so. the platform to tell That's my story nice um and at the end of the day, if I was able to help one young lady, my job was done. My job was done. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> that is right. Yes. Oh, anytime. This is a home. My, my look, you're now a oh, thank you. certified family <laughs> member of the Voices of Courage. So anytime. Anytime. <laughs> so, could you please let our great listeners know where they could find well, I'll make anything? It, I'll make it really, really easy want. because if you just go to the or website, it has links to all my social media, and it actually has each episode um, with links to each episode that I've already done. So, if you just go to www.cipheredknowledge.com and that C I P H E R E D. K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E. Uh, you can just go to the website and like I said, it'll have all the social media where you can find me, contact information and uh, the episodes, all the episodes of season one. Everybody, this is the lovely Kissy. Check her out and definitely check, go to the website. I'll be putting that in the notes 
and she'll be back again. Don't worry about that. Thank you so much. You uh, have a blessed day. (laughs) The awesome thing about being open to meeting different people is that you meet a new piece of yourself, if that makes any sense. You know, we, we as humans bring out the, the better in each other if we allow that part of us to connect. And I promise you it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then you get to meet beautiful people with amazing, inspiring stories, you know? A story that could change somebody's life and help them. And I really, really am just, you know, just happy and inspired, you know, that, you know, Chrissy Richards came on and she didn't just, you know, you know, we chose this episode, this topic, you know, just specifically. And um, I want to thank her for choosing my show to do this on because I don't know if, if you really, she really, really like thought in her head, like, oh, that's Voices of Courage or she just, something happened there where she said, I'm going to do this on Brandy's show. I don't know what it clicked inside of her, but it's, that's, it seemed like we both went there, you know, we actually both went there, but for her to, you know, to, to do this with me on, on my show, I just want her to know that um, you just, you know, make me just want to keep going and going and going. So I'm not crying right now. <laughs> I'm just, I like when I'm inspired because I like inspiring other people. So to be inspired back makes me realize how important it is that I keep doing that and that, um, to never give up. So just remember that you gotta know that we need each other and we can bring out the better parts in one another if we choose to. So Voices of Courage 2020, that's where it's at. And today, it's where it's at with Chrissy Richards. <laughs>